Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Esther Mannheimer. Esther was first elected to the Asheville City Council in 2009, was elected vice mayor by her peers in 2011, and was elected mayor in 2013. Esther also serves on a number of boards and commissions. She is chair of the North Carolina Metropolitan Mayor's Coalition. Esther earned her Juris Doctor and Master's of Public Administration degrees from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and her BA from the University of Colorado at Boulder. She's a partner in the Van Winkle Law Firm in Asheville, where she specializes in land and commercial litigation. Esser has earned various honors, such as being named to the 2016 list of the best lawyers in America by Best Lawyers, named an NC Lawyers Weekly Leaders in the Law, and named one of Pisgah Legal Services' most valuable mountain area volunteer lawyer. As mayor, Esther has focused her attention on achieving greater equity for all residents of Asheville, specifically in the area of public housing. She also has a great love of Robert's Rules of Order. (laughs) She's married to Mark Harris, a social studies teacher at Anka High School, who coaches Anka's award-winning wrestling team, and they are the parents of three boys. Welcome to the podcast, Esther. I'm so delighted to be able to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. So could you share with us what drew you to becoming involved in municipal politics? And you've been a lawyer for a while, and um, it's not necessarily a path that lawyers take in their careers. Could you talk a little bit about what, what you feel is so important about being involved in that work? Well, um, you know, I was drawn to... Uh, municipal issues, I guess you could say. When I was in undergraduate school, uh, I took a class where I was introduced to, you know, really the differences between city and county governments and state governments and federal governments. And that's when I really learned uh, about the different functions of the different levels of government. And I was very interested in municipal government and what, you know, what did cities do? What role did they play in your life? And uh, so I actually ended up going to graduate school to get a master's in public administration. And while I was there, I got a dual degree in law. Um, But the public administration piece, you know, that's the degree you might get if you wanted to be a city manager or city uh, department director or something like that, Mm -hmm. or a nonprofit for that matter. Uh, And I went from there and worked at the state legislature for four years after getting those degrees. And that's where... I learned a lot more about how cities in North Carolina uh, interact with the state. And I staffed a local government committee and I, you know, I just learned, um, I was uh, 
really how the sausage is made and how the <laughs> legislature rules over cities in North Carolina. We have a very different um, structure here where cities are basically only able to do what they're authorized to do by the state, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, in other states like Washington State or Colorado, where cities have a lot more authority to make decisions about how, you know, how, how they're going to handle taxes or education or social services and things like that. Right. This is, so, a, Dil- this is a Dillon's rule state. It, yeah, it's essentially a Dillon rule state rather than a home rule state. Mm-hmm. So I've always had sort of an academic fascination with how it all works and how do you make the best decisions um, about whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And then... Um, And then I came to Asheville and I worked, uh, actually in between all this, I worked for Meals on Wheels of Buncombe County as their volunteer coordinator. And I ended up over the course of that year running all their routes anytime I didn't have a volunteer, um, available. And I, I, uh, spent a lot of time in our public housing neighborhoods and just learning a lot more about our community from the ground and, you know, I have to say, I, I, this sounds naive, but you have to remember I was uh, just out of undergraduate school at this time. You know, I really didn't have a feel for how everyone in my community lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that combining the whole, you know, as we sit here today, I moved back to Asheville in 2002, but combining that sort of academic training where, you know, you sort of look at data and you read all these policy papers and different theories on how to approach different issues. And you combine that with, you know, the real world, how are people living? What are their day-to-day struggles? Um, And trying to blend that to get the best outcome to me is just, that is something I'm so interested in. I was telling a friend recently that one of my biggest regrets in life is that I don't get to sit around and talk about city issues even more than I do <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's good to hear from somebody who's, whose work that is. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the whole interplay of civic and state government in North Carolina is so interesting because you're always trying to navigate how do you meet local needs at the same time that you're operating within this system where, where things are decided on a state level? And, um, yeah, I, I think that the impact that you can have in that kind of setting, do you feel it's limited or do you just feel that it's, that happens to be the structure that you need to work within? Well, I don't, I, you know, when I worked at the state legislature out of, graduate school, there was a very friendly relationship for the most part between the state and the cities. And we all saw this as, um, you know, win-win looking for win-win solutions. There wasn't this animosity or this division in any way. Um, so, you know, I, I, what I think has happened is the dynamic has changed so that cities now have to prove what was always a base assumption, and that is their relevance and their value, Hmm. whether you're talking about the economy or the quality of life of an individual, their cities are having to make their case, uh, so to speak. And that is a totally new um, concept. And and when I say that, that, that's what's happening in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, in, in some respects, 
there's good that comes of having to make your case uh, because you are having to evaluate outcomes. Um, but it's very frustrating to have to constantly point out the obvious, you know, mm-hmm. that cities are job centers and support regional economies and uh, try to lead the way in terms of environmental initiatives and other things that are very positive for communities. But, you know, to have politics layered on that, uh, labeling things good and bad, and you know, what's like a belief system or something to me is, is very um, ineffective. And so, you know, I try to communicate across the aisle to, to impress upon whatever folks of all political walks that that what ultimately what we're trying to do is better the lives of North Carolinians. And we all share that goal. Mm-hmm. In this role that you have as chair of the North Carolina Metropolitan Mayor's Coalition, is there an opportunity for you to have impact in a way that you, that you feel is more far reaching? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great coalition. It's the larger cities in North Carolina, and they have a lot of uh, common interests and concerns. So it helps us streamline our communication on a state level. And, um, and it's, uh, to me, it's been very positive. We've been able to speak with a unified voice on different pieces of legislation that the legislature is considering. You know, I, we, we do have to spend a lot of time trying to make sure certain damaging uh, legislation doesn't get enacted. So mm-hmm. we don't get to spend as much time on proactive um, legislation. So that, that, you know, that's always something you'd rather be doing. But, you know, this month we're going to be, um, having our meeting in Greenville, North Carolina and Kinston, North Carolina. And we really are trying to highlight that rural urban, um, not divide the opposite of divide, but where rural meets urban and how we can work together and that it shouldn't be, you know, one versus the other. It should be looking for solutions that help all of our communities. So uh, I I do think given the political nature of our state right now, it is necessary for cities to come together and take the initiative to not only work together, but to work across North Carolina and our rural areas to to see where we can find win-win solutions. And, and that's happened because uh, cities are on the political defensive with our legislature being controlled by the Republicans since uh, 2010. And, and before, before that, when I worked there, and there, this wasn't a necessary step at all, you know, cities just sort of operated in their own silos more, more than they do now. Mm-hmm. We have to work together much more now to be as effective. Do you see that as a as a positive outcome? I guess I, I see the whole political climate um, as I always like to look at where can I see some benefit in this. And one thing that I see happening is that a lot of individuals have become far more active in their communities than they have before. And is is that something that you see happening too? And and how do you see that unfolding in your in your area or, or even within the, the, the state from the insight you have there? Well, I mean, I, it, you know, ironically, I do think it has created this, this polarization has created this 
positive result in, the, in that we have um, been forced to work together as cities and to reach out to our rural neighbors and figure out solutions that are good for both communities. And I also think, um, you know, I, I, I've had the opportunity this last year to work with a, a group um, hosted by Duke's Public Policy School, the Sanford Public Policy School. And they've brought together leaders from across North Carolina from both sides of the political aisle to have civil discussions around a major uh, challenges for our state. The topic we've been working on this last year is reducing poverty in North Carolina. And the whole point of the exercise is to get people from these, what seem to be a polar opposite uh, viewpoints to come together and find shared beliefs or shared understanding or shared goals. Um, and then uh, infuse the whole process with a lot of facts uh, because anecdote is the killer of all bad policy or good policy making rather. <laughs> so, so, I don't know that the the um, groups that the group that organized this it was actually the Z Smith Reynolds Foundation and the Art Pope Foundation or the Pope Foundation together with the Sanford School came together to create this group. I don't know that that would have been necessary or seen as something that we should try to do if it weren't for the fact that we are having this toxic experience right now. Um, politically, and that we are seeing this divide in our state. So, you know, if you want to look for a silver lining, I think that opportunities like that came about because of where we where we've ended up. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm intrigued by the fact that you're juggling the, your your role as mayor along with your involvement in different um, boards and commissions. Plus, you have your own legal practice. How does that all work together in for you in terms of of having the influence, having impact? Well, um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, in some respects, the practice of law, being with a law firm in Asheville, I'm a partner with the Van Winkle Law Firm in Asheville, and and being involved with the city and the mayor are, are very separate, but, um, but it is, you know, it's historically sort of traditional for lawyers actually to serve mm -hmm. in public office. I sure. know when I worked at the legislature, there were many lawyers there Yeah, and our law firms had one mayor and uh, there's another law firm in town that's had two mayors. Um, so it's, so I think from the legal community's perspective, there is some expectation that somebody periodically is going to step up and do this work. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's not, that wasn't necessarily my calling, but I, but my, my work um, was able to accommodate it, I think, because it is kind of traditional. So it wasn't unheard of to do this. Um, and, but one thing that I've enjoyed about the overlap is the, Practice of law as a litigator in Asheville means that I really do litigation in every county in Western North Carolina, mm -hmm. whether it's all the way up to Avery and Ash County or out to Graham County or Cherokee County or Clay County or down to Transylvania County, even Rutherford County. Um, and to go into all those courthouses and meet all those lawyers over the years 
has helped me build a network of folks that I know that, that also has some overlap in my political world. Mm -hmm. So for example, the chair of the Henderson County commission is Mike Edney, but he's also, I first knew him because he's a litigator and I'd see him in court in Henderson County. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we already had that base relationship. So, so those kinds of connections have been very helpful in my, and also having worked in the legislature for four years and knowing how all that works and some of the folks that are still there just building this network um, to me has helped me be the kind of mayor I am. I think I don't think it's necessary at all to have the kind of background I do to do this work, but you might be a different kind of mayor than what I do. So, um, so to me um, it's allowed me to have more involvement in legislation and what the legislature's doing. And I've been down there and testified in committee and, um, and, you know, when I first came into office in 09, still quite a few legislators were there that I knew mm-hmm. from my days there. And, and just having this network throughout Western North Carolina has been helpful to me when we're trying to make the argument that we're really more of a hub for regional economy and working with our neighboring communities on issues. And you've got that unique experience of having been involved with uh, your work with legislators at the state level. So that gives you a chance to um, continue those relationships in a way that's, uh, that's probably unique and lets you reach out in different ways, which is great. Yeah, that's been very beneficial and probably, um, it, it, well, it's been helpful in working with the Metro mayors and becoming their chair. Mm-hmm. Do you find that your work, um, this is something I always ask of my guests here on the podcast, and that is, how do your values come into play in the work that you do? I, I believe that impact is based on the values that you hold dear, that you, you've um, feel are important and that consciously or not consciously you're acting out your values um, on a day-to-day basis and that influences the impact that you have. So could you talk a little bit about what is important to you in terms of your values and how do you see that playing out in the, the work that you do? Well, I do think that everybody, whether they know it or not, brings a value you know, a set of values to what they do. And uh, it certainly influences how they approach decision making um, and advocacy. Um, Now, I, in my mind, I have developed some overarching principles that I try to live by and apply uh, in what I'm doing. Um, And, you know, I, my, feeling about it is, you know, you, you could have some very strongly held positions on all kinds of issues and you could come into office and apply those strongly held positions, um, and never waver from them, no matter how many constituents, uh, said otherwise, uh, or experts or whatever. And I, but my position is that, you know, I really do try to channel what I think a majority of my constituents uh, would prefer where they would go directionally, um, in terms of where they want our city to go or where they want, um, our city to be with regard to the state. Um, so I, you know, now, you know, and now every politician could be tragically wrong at any given time in terms of (laughs) teaching their constituency. (laughs) Right. Um, 
but I, but I try to, to, to always keep that in mind in terms of, and, and even uh, there have been times where I have voted counter to what I personally would prefer because I know that a majority of my constituents feel differently. Hmm. And, and so that, you know, that is what you have to do. I think if you're going to fairly represent the people that elected you. I would find that really challenging. Is that uh, kind of, does that create a conflict within you or do you feel really clear that that's your role and that's, that's just what needs to be done? Well, now first, if I do feel like things are going in a different direction than how I personally feel, I, you know, I love to spend a lot of time talking to people about how things work. You've seen me at leadership Asheville mm-hmm. doing that. I rattle off numbers and I, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> so, so hopefully I can convince people first <laughs> that, you know, what, what direct, you know, that maybe the assumptions they're making are not soundly based. But if everybody, but if I feel like the people kind of get the options and they still want to go in whichever direction, then, you know, then that's, then that's the direction we go in. But it is, you know, but I always say it's on me to communicate what we're doing, how we're doing it, what the choices are. And if people don't know or they're confused or whatever, then that is, that's my fault. So you know, we, a lot of, you know, I'd say one of the biggest challenges serving in public office is trying to get people uh, as informed as possible on the various issues. Mm-hmm. But luckily in Asheville, we don't have the second challenge, which is apathy and because people are right. engaged. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely true. I, uh, I, and I find that make that makes for a very exciting climate and perhaps politically challenging at times, but at least people are interested and they want to have a say in, in what right. happens in their community, which is great. So I, one of the things too, that I've talked with people about here is, um, just managing their own time and energy and how that can have, an effect on the kind of impact you have because it particularly when you're very involved and excited about the the work that you do it can be easy to be pulled off in many different directions how have you found that you your time and energy is best used well um i have help in getting everything scheduled but that is a real challenge for for anyone in elected office. Mm-hmm. And I think especially mayors, cause they, cause mayors are invited to so many events and asked to attend so many events or speak to so many groups. So you really, you, you if, if I could do this as a full-time job, that would be great, but, yeah. <laughs> but I can't, you know, I can't do it as a full-time job. So you really have to sort of weigh, uh, things out so that you can set up a schedule that's maintainable because you don't want to wipe yourself out and you also don't want to waste any time. You want to make the most of your time and then, and then still give enough to my law practice and my family and everything else so that I'm I'm hopefully doing everything. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that is um, a real challenge. And, and then, 
On top of that, I would say that everybody has their preferences. So for example, I really enjoy working with school groups Mm -hmm. and the mayor gets asked all the time to speak to groups that are in elementary school and middle school and high school. Uh, So I do do a lot of that and I prioritize that. I really enjoy it. And I think it's important, you know, I look back on my time as in elementary school and middle school and high school, and I don't think I ever got to talk to a mayor. So um, so I think it's important for them to have that real tangible experience about local government and what local government does. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're very accessible even when you're standing up at the front of the room. So I think for the kids, it's really great to see that um, somebody who's in a kind of position that can feel far off and not really connected with the day to day, they start to get some insight into, well, yeah, this person's actually interested in me and what happens to me. And right. Yeah, which is an important experience. Well, and I want girls too to see that I'm a mom and I have kids in the school system and I'm a mayor and, you know, so I have my side agenda too. But um, I mean, girls and boys, but especially girls to see another woman doing this work. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that, that, uh, that's been a nice piece of it. Yeah. It's inspiring for uh, girls to see someone managing all those things. And uh, it's not an either or situation, which is really great to see. Do you find that your own self-care is something that you've had to prioritize? Or does that kind of get left in the wake of all <laughs> of all the things that you're involved with? Well, I remember when the last mayor left office, she said to me, watch out for those chicken lunches. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that, and I don't know if you've heard me talk about that at leadership Asheville, but that is a big deal for me. I, um, I have rheumatoid arthritis and I was diagnosed, mm. uh, back when I moved back to Asheville in 2002, I believe it was. Um, and so I, I am a real nut about exercise and sleep and mm. diet So, so I really, I try to make sure I'm exercising every day and I try to make sure I'm getting enough sleep and I'm eating right. So, so, so that I can feel good and, and have energy to be able to do all this. And so I I really prioritize that, um, like, you know, today's a council Tuesday, so I'll have meetings all day and then we'll have our council meeting tonight and it will go till whenever. So, I make sure I have a little time in the morning, go for a run or something before I start this busy day. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, a big priority for me. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that about you, that you uh, were also um, had that condition and that you're, uh, so it's great to hear that you're really focused on making sure that you're taking care of yourself physically as well as, uh, yeah, that's such a crucial thing. Um, do you find that, uh, well, this isn't really a yes or no question. I, I was I was going to ask, uh, have you ever run into any obstacles or barriers? And of course, the answer is yes, we all do. But are there is there a particular situation you can think of where you've come up against an obstacle in having the impact you want to have and you've been able to move through it? I always think that these stories can be so inspiring for other people to hear. You, you know, it's not a smooth path of... of uh, career and life success that, you know, everyone has things that they, they wrestle with? Uh, well, more than one, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, there, there's, there, 
so here's another area where law overlaps with mayor. So in the practice of law and litigation, um, in North Carolina, every case filed in Superior Court has to go to mediation before it's tried. And the mediation is, you know, like a day-long negotiation with a mediator helping the parties facilitate a resolution to the case. And 95% of all cases in North Carolina, I've always been told, do settle. And so, you know, for the first part of my career and to this day, I've routinely been in these situations where we're trying to settle a case. And when I started out, it was small. Uh, They were smaller cases. And now, you know, I just finished one. Wednesday, where a a subdivision of 161 lot owners figured out how to divide $5.4 million in bond money. (laughs) So, you know, so we're, so I have been able to take that sort of, um, that training in negotiation and mediation and resolution to the job of mayor. And I use it all the time. If we're trying to work through something major, like uh, right now we're trying to um, work toward the renewal of uh, the Lee Walker public housing neighborhood. It need, it is, it's been slated to be redesigned and, and reinvigorated, shall we say. Um, and it's massive. It's a massive project and it involves working with the city and the county and the housing authority and uh, nonprofit uh, developer mountain housing opportunities and it's not the kind of thing where you have one meeting and you figure out the plan and then right. you close, you know, it's got, it's got all these different stages and all these different pieces to, to it. And the way I do these, the way I do these large, very complex deals, so to speak, it, you know, I keep my goal out there on the horizon. I see it. And then I take each piece it, as it comes, as we get to it, you know, I think about like, we're going to walk up this hill, this one hill, and we're going to get to the top of this one hill. And I know, don't, you don't have to remind me, I know there's another hill (laughs) next week, but we're doing this hill today. Right. So, you know, I really try to get there incrementally and um, not, and, and not be, you know, I'll meet with people and they'll say, but this is going to be impossible because eventually we're going to have to deal with, you know, X, and I'll say, I know we're going to have to deal with that, but we don't have to deal with that right now. We've mm-hmm. got to get this piece of it. That is going to happen. We're going to make it happen. I, I don't ever take no. I, I credit my mother for that because <laughs> every time I would ask her when I was a kid if I could spend the night at my best friend Angie's house, she'd say no, and I'd have to get her to say yes, and it would just take me, you know some time <laughs> <laughs> some so. investment of energy and <laughs> right right so i mean to me there is always a way it's just a matter of how creative you can be how how you know how many different people you got to bring it to the table to get it done but i i am you, i am not, there's nothing i don't think we can't do mm-hmm. if we want to and we if we can figure it out so right yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, I really applaud your approach because I know how complex these issues are. I've been uh, uh, the whole realm of public housing. I mean, it's kind of uh, under under question on a federal level with the right. uh, the HUD funding going down. And, and I know it's something on a local level that just uh, influences so many people. I've, I've been involved in the 
Building Bridges program, which is a conversation about racism and how we can find solutions. So, you know, so many that and so many other factors come into play in working in these large projects. So I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're not someone willing to take no for an answer. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see your impact unfolding moving forward? And I, I saw you recently at a, a Kiwanis meeting, and I, I meant to ask you then if you're, if you're going to be, if you're planning to be running in the next election. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. Oh, no, um, I, I am. I've, I have are you? announced. Yeah, it was oh, a little while ago. So oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to re-announce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the filing is not until July, so it's a little bit quiet right now. But um, okay. But no, I'm, I'm going to run uh, again this fall. And the, if I were to win, it will be my uh, second term as mayor. So, mm-hmm. and it's a four-year term. But I, I really enjoy it. I'd like to to do it um, at least one more time. So, um, I, you know, I had to spend some time um, you know, with my husband and my kids and talking about, uh, and, and frankly, my family, my extended family, because they helped me a lot. Uh, with my schedule and juggling everything. Yeah. And after that, what do you, how do you, do you have any thoughts on how you think you'd like to have an impact even when you're out of elected office? And this is not pinning you down in any way. I'm just kind of visioning, asking about a vision. Yeah. I, you know, I think that I will always be involved in my community. I mean, you know, I really enjoy being involved in the community, I was the president of my Jewish community center before I got into politics. And so I'm, I'm quite certain that I will continue to participate in the community in some, in some way. Yeah, that's great. Well, what, uh, just to, to kind of um, bring this to a close, what, what kind of insight or advice would you share with somebody who wants to have impact, whether it's at the city level or just in general, from what you've learned in your own experiences, what would you, what would you share with someone who really wants to reach out more and make more of a contribution? Well, I think there's two things. I mean, one is getting involved, obviously, and, and, you know, kind of figuring out what it is you enjoy, what you're interested in exploring and, volunteering to do it, uh, you know, if it's board serving on boards or whatever the case may be, so much of it is just showing up and being there and being able to uh, lend a hand because that, that, that's, I mean, 90% of it, it seems like. Right. Um, so I think there's that piece of it. And then the other is becoming, um, depending on what area you're working in, being able to figure out how to be an effective communicator mm. um, I, to me has been critical for me, um, you know, trying to understand where the other person or other people are coming from, what they're trying to achieve, what I'm trying to achieve uh, and how to bring people together around these shared goals. Um, and then, you know, Communication to me and navigating those relationships in the community are so critical to being able to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always say you can have the most brilliant mind, but they don't know how to to get anything done or communicate with anyone. And it's like it just happens in a vacuum. 
And then you can have other people that might not be the brilliant mind, but they're just very good with people and they understand how things work and how to, um, how to get people inspired to work with them to do it. Uh, so, so to me that getting involved and then figuring out how to be an effective communicator is critical. And frankly, I did that by the communication piece and I'm still working on it. Um, but by really watching and listening to other people and especially other leaders in the community and sort of stealing bits and pieces of how they did it and putting right. it in my own, you know, putting it in my own toolbox. And I think that that art of listening has, uh, I mean, culturally, we don't live in a culture that really values listening very highly. It's more of a talking yeah, culture. <laughs> right, right. And, and the loudest. And um, yeah. so I, uh, yeah, I really value that as well. I think there's a, a balance to be had there. So, well, I think more important now than ever, communication is going to be so crucial in, in uh, moving forward and healing some of the rifts that are, uh, that we're seeing um, on a, yeah. on a large scale. So um, yeah, thank you for raising that. And thank you for um, sharing your perspectives on your own personal experience and professionally as well in the, the multiple roles that you play in the community. It's, um, it, it's so great to hear that you have a focus in, uh, uh, working with school groups too, because I think that, that kind of early experience and exposure to someone in government, um, like you coming in and as such an, a valuable role model. And I think it affects things. It makes, makes for positive change. So thank you for the work you do in the world. And thank you for being here on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And if people want to connect with you, uh, I'm, uh, is there a way that they can reach out through the, the city of Asheville website or? Yeah, they can, um, the, on the website, on the City of Asheville website, you can get my email address, Esther Mannheimer at avlcouncil.com. Um, or, and the phone number for the mayor's office if anybody wants to give a call or needs anything. Um, and yeah, no, absolutely. Very easy to contact me. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, thanks again for being here. This has been, uh, I think it's going to be really inspiring for people to hear about what they can do on their own city level. Um, of of impact. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. It was my pleasure. Great. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.